Lena Yeagle is a multi-instrumentalist musician, roller derby athlete, visual artist, artisan, painter, and seamstress based in North Central Pennsylvania. In her own words, a valuer of free time above most things who has a curiosity of and love for nature. Nature shows up repeatedly as a focus in my art. I tend to have a whimsical approach. I'm also inspired by fantasy things, made up, that have a strong grounding and reference from what's real, or at least what we perceive as such. Whenever I get the chance, I like to throw a little sense of humor into the work too. I haven't been as involved in creating music much these days, but that has been a keystone for many years of my life. You can find her on Instagram at Lena Yeagle. First of all, it's good to see your face. Yeah, you too. It's been a long time, some it, years. It has. Yeah. Uh, probably, I think the last time I saw you was maybe at like my little brother's band's show when you were still with Garrett, perhaps? Yeah, maybe. I feel like the last time I maybe remember seeing you was on 3rd Street near the parking garage. You were doing something with the Community Theater League and Garrett and oh. I were stopping and talking to you. I think it was he and I. Yeah, I don't remember, but that's the last time I remember speaking with you, but anyway. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. My friend Kiana Martin, who also does interviews, is with us, yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm Kiana Martin, founder of Eat Soccer. I travel the world playing soccer, and when I'm not doing that, I use those experiences to work with brands to create interesting connection points, be it events, content, and other things with uh, diverse communities of soccer fans in the United States. Cool. One of the things I had saved were some links that have to do with Williamsport, because in uh, anticipation for having artists from that area, I kind of needed to explain to the world what Williamsport was. So I just wanted to share some of these things I found. There was this poem that came through, a poet that came through and wrote a poem. The poet's name is Neil Hilborn. And this is from a book of poetry called The Future. And this excerpt is just called Two Days in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. You ever stay because it's easier than going? You ever decide by not deciding? I meant to go east into the ocean, but that was before I found the Moon and Raven. There was, that's a restaurant bar in Williamsport with really, really good food. There was a scotch and a steak. The scotch was like drinking a campfire next to a tire fire. And then it was two days later and I had to leave for Albany. Well, no, things happened, but they weren't. Well, there are only so many ways to talk about eating cheese and crackers while watching History Channel documentaries about how Hitler's still alive. Only so many trudges through the melting snow because it's always March in Williamsport. So many drives past the modest Victorian homes shivering together on their hill with the windows just slightly down, the music up halfway, no singing because it feels disrespectful to care about anything in all this gray, all this slush everywhere, somewhere you could live, but won't. <laughs> <laughs> Tina Fey, whom everybody knows or is familiar with, she came through the area and ended up writing about Williamsport in a, a book, I believe. Let me see if I can read this. It wasn't the greatest image. This is about her family. Clearly, we needed to shake that year off and try something new. Last year, determined to, quote, save the full 80 West drive until our daughter can really appreciate it in 20 years or so, I made a new pitch. Let's meet in the middle. We chose Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home of the Little League World Series, and almost exactly halfway between us on the map. We'd spend three days and two nights at the Holiday Inn and then head our separate ways. I cannot emphasize to you how well this went because I don't know how to do double underline on my computer. The kids swam in the hotel pool. We dined at Red Lobster. There is 
no one of woman born, oh, human. There's no one of woman born who does not like red lobster biscuits. Any, <laughs> anyone who claims otherwise is a liar and a socialist. <laughs> we, fed, we fed 15 people for $200. Success! The next day, while Beyonce and Jay-Z were probably having a frustrating time on their yacht trying to figure out the French word for plunger. <laughs> this Tina Fey is too much. Uh, trying to figure out the French word for plunger. We walked around the Lycoming Mall. There was a carousel for the kids. Later, we exchanged gifts in the lobby by a 10-foot Christmas tree that none of us had to put up or take down. Victory! <laughs> that that night, while Mariah and Nick shopped for dog jewelry in Aspen, <laughs> we, conv <laughs> we convened for an amazing meal at a local inn called the Herdic House, which is where Lena makes some money and, and where you live. This stately Victorian inn offered a menu where city jerks and country carnivores could find common ground. Pork chops, duck, pear crisp. The setting was cozy and twinkly and Christmassy in a way that worked for everybody. Will Ferrell also made a stop in Williamsport. I did not know that. He did. <laughs> and he, so he wrote about this in a very Ron Burgundy from Anchorman type way. So the few enlightened Williamsporters who read The New Yorker were awestruck by the time they hit the sixth paragraph of the excerpt which appeared in Shouts and Murmurs column of Daily Humor. Their city had been mentioned. When I first read it, I was shocked that Williamsport was mentioned. I immediately got the joke. Farrell was talking up the city's wild nightlife because it really doesn't have one, said Matthew Parrish, a, Matt, a Williamsport resident. You and I both know who Yeah, we know Matt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let me see if I can find this. Yeah, so here's, here's Will Farrell, a la Ron Burgundy, talking about Williamsport. <laughs> It escalates as he gives descriptions of his sightings of reckless, reckless bacchanalia that happened in that town every night. I'm just going to assume that most people who live in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, to this day moved there to engage in terrifyingly adventurous sexual activity, Burgundy says, adding that it is a town of pleasure-seeking animals only gratified by buttery foods and genital friction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering who he met. <laughs> Maybe the butter comes into play later. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so those are three funny things, I think, uh, interesting things said about William Ford.
I met Lena before I moved to Pennsylvania from California. I'd come back once a year for the holidays. You were friends with my little brother, Caleb. Mm-hmm. And you were in a relationship with uh, Alex Kallenberger, who is an amazing musician. And so I remember being introduced to you via the Bullfrog Brewery and then your apartment that you shared with Alex and all of your amazing artwork up on the walls. I don't think I really realized just how much of a Renaissance woman that you are until moving to Williamsport and, and really getting to know you. Um, yeah. yeah, you're you're inspiring. Truly. Thanks. And I know that because of this interview, this is the first time that you've used this thing called Zoom. You're not much of a techie person or social media person, are you? Nope. Couldn't even figure out how to get the sound to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally did. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you are technically a millennial, are you not? Yeah, 85, right? I was born in 85. That counts as a millennial, I think. Right on are the bridge. Are you the only millennial that exists who does not obsess with social media and technology? I don't know every other one, so I couldn't say that for a, you know for certain. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> so share with us, if you would, like a little bit about why are you so averse to social media and technology? You know, I don't even know if it's averse as much as I'm just not into it. You know, I don't, I kind of grew out, up out in the, country and we didn't really have you know access to the internet for a long time um i was homeschooled at a time where i think we probably would have been introduced to computers you know like aol and instant messenger and all of that back when that was a thing dial up internet remember that um so i just i think i've just always kind of found other ways to bide my time um now, don't get me wrong, I love video games, but I love them on consoles. I don't really like playing video games on the internet. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I've just always kind of, it wasn't something that I learned early on, so I just never had really much of an interest. Um, when I did date Garrett, I had a, I learned a lot and got kind of more of an appreciation for things. And um, also being involved with the roller derby team, you kind of have to be connected on social media a little bit, at least, you know, at least Facebook to you know, be involved in about 20 different groups to figure out committees and things like that, especially when you're on the board, as I was for two years. Um, but yeah, I've kind of, I wouldn't call myself a Luddite necessarily, but uh, I'm certainly not, you know, terribly eager to buy the new device that's out. So. Sure. And, and before I get into roller derby, uh, that is going to kind of be a jumping off point, I think, for getting to know you a little bit better. You're from Williamsport and that's where you spent your whole life or no? Uh, basically, yeah, I'm not from the city proper. I'm from about 20 miles north. Um, I went to school in the next town over called Montoursville. It's a little more rural. Um, I've basically lived here my whole life. Um, I kind of moved down to Florida for a minute right after high school. Um, my mother was living down there, so I stayed there for a few weeks or months maybe even, but decided that I wanted to come back home. I love the mountains and um, I like it here. It's a good community, despite what Will Ferrell and uh, <laughs> the like say. Williamsport is a nice little town if you're in the right circle. <laughs> when I made the choice to move to Pennsylvania to be closer to family, um, my options were the redneck mecca of York, Pennsylvania, or mini redneck mecca of Williamsport. But I was so shocked when I first started going there for the holidays to, to visit Caleb. Honestly, I was shocked by the amount of art 
happening in this tiny little Pennsylvania town, as far as my experience was telling me. Right. Yeah, it's really quite incredible that we have as many, oh, just amazingly talented musicians and the Uptown Music Collective is an amazing opportunity. If people aren't familiar with that, check it out. And Williamsport, you know, it's a school of music for base, essentially kids, but people of any age can go. And um, that's here. And kids are graduating from there and moving on to kind of big things in the music scene. Um, I'm sure we're going to hear of some famous people that went to school at the Uptown Music Collective someday. Um, and yeah, the art scene is incredible. Um, I kind of got involved with Michael Pilato, um, who's a becoming kind of a well-known artist in the country. Um, he did a mural here, and I was able to be um, added to the list of people who were helping on this huge project and uh, really kind of got my got my um, feet wet in that aspect of public art and just kind of getting on board with um, learning what that's like, what to do, what not to do, um, and just gaining experience there. And yeah, got, got some work since from it and uh, yeah it's been great met a lot of cool people yeah Pilato and uh and his partner Yuri I got to know him briefly and he let me know that he got commissioned to do the Williamsport mural after doing the state college mural that he did correct uh, uh, and he and Yuri were commissioned to do different artworks at, like big mural types all over the world um during one period when he took over the there's that little that little thing that's right next to the bullfrog that at one point was the coffee and tea room. Correct. Uh, yeah. and, and then it became his studio. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is now. Um, but he, they were working one of the days I passed by, I was talking to him. He and you were working on a mural on the, the, this boardwalk area in Norway, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They were kind of working on this big project that would have connect all over the world. So there'd be a mural in Norway and maybe one in, you know, who knows, but they would all kind of reflect each other. Um, both of them are very interested in what's what they've termed art and healing, um, where people can come and visit these murals and see their loved ones that may have passed or, you know, see, um, for instance, they were down working in Orlando, it's Orlando, uh, for the nightclub, the nightclub that got shot up. Um, they went down and, you know, just kind of raised a little bit of money and painted this beautiful tribute, you know, to the people who died and for their family that they can go now and see their family members on the wall anytime they want to and visit them. And it's just this really gorgeous tribute. And Michael, Michael excels at social interaction. But anyway, yeah, it's um, a neat vision. Very neat vision. Yeah. Maybe your mom told me about living in Florida when I first met her. I think I met your mom during that the live mannequin tableau thing that I was doing as a oh. yeah as a yeah. a way yeah, to visiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, she lives here now. She moved back back home. Right. Yeah. She's, and uh, what's fascinating too is that when I met your mom, the last thing I thought was that she was your mom because she she doesn't age. This woman. Like people people still think that it's like oh who's your friend who's your sister. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Hopefully, it runs in the family. <laughs> So far, so good. All right. <laughs> so uh, how long were you in Florida when you were down there? Oh, just like I said, maybe some weeks or a few months. I don't actually remember. It was kind of a blurry, tumultuous time. Um, I was just stressed out being out of high school and not knowing what I was doing my, with my life. Turns out it's still blurry and stressful, and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. But hey, <laughs> I'm more at peace at, about it now in my 30s than I was in my, you know, my early 20s yeah <laughs> so. 
yeah, part of being in your 20s is just feeling lost and having all this energy and what do I do? And yeah. I think so. Yeah. And also kind of like this sense of immortality or something. I don't know that you, you don't have to make a decision, but yes, you do. It's, it's interesting. Weird little dichotomy. Yeah. <laughs> And age is a trip. It gets weirder and weirder because I'm sharing, you know, I'm having friends that are artists on this show and it's making me reflect and I'll share some photos from the time when we were friends. And I just did this recently with a friend. Turns out these pictures are 22 years old. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm old enough to say something like this. Like, this is crazy. Mm. When did art start to become a, a part of your life? Hmm. Well, my mom is an artist. So at a young age, I was seeing it and kind of experiencing you know I always kind of like to draw or I really like to be out in the woods um, and make like little villages out of sticks and rocks and one of my favorite things to do was to take a twig and then grab a like a hunk of grass and stick it on top of the twig and pretend it was a palm tree so I'd make like these little little villages around with palm trees oh and rotten logs make fantastic pretend turkey um, they look just, you know, the pieces of wood look just like turkey. Um, so anyway, I've always, you know, kind of been creative. And um, I guess I would say in high school, when I was kind of introduced to different mediums, um, that's when I was really actually introduced in a fine art way to paper mache. And I just took that and ran with it after high school. And I was really glad that I had that one class that kind of reintroduced that. Because I mean, everybody does paper mache in kindergarten or something. And it's like you got this balloon and this messy, sloppy, right, Kiana? <laughs> yeah, you're nodding like, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like gross and everything like molds up because you put it on way too thick. But anyway, I um, um, over the years, I've found, you know, very amazing resources about how to make clay and um, just different techniques and I love to sculpt. Three-dimensional for me it's just super fun. Painting's always been something I could do but I find it to be a little more stressful but the sculpting is just like, you know, you're just making stuff out of nothing. It's, it's really cool. I enjoy it. Music is a huge part of your life, or until recently you said you're kind of taking a back seat to it. Is that because of the quarantine? And when did music become a part of your life? Um, you know, I'd say, again, when I was a young child, I was always sitting at the piano. They couldn't pull me away from it, and I was always playing and messing around. Um, but as far as being a person who performs music, that didn't start until I dated Alex, um, who was already kind of a performing musician in town. and. Um, I just started learning how to play the violin, and um, he said, hey, you should play with me on these three songs out in public, and I agreed to, and I thought I was going to die or pass out or throw up or all three of those things <laughs> all at once. It was the scariest experience, but um, yeah, that was kind of my introduction into playing music publicly with Alex, and then... Um, Recently, I'm in a band called the Susquehanna Jam Crackers. It's me and a bunch of guys over the age of 55, and we play bluegrass music, and I play fiddle in that band, and I sing. 
So um, it's a fun project, you know, all of our gigs are like before nine o'clock at night, which is wonderful. <laughs> I think I may have seen that. There's that school that has a benefit or something or a yeah. concert every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the West Branch uh, School. They are over in Newbury, other side of town. And our guitarist, Steve Holslander, was a teacher there for 40 years. So we would play every year there. Yeah, and with the quarantine, you know, we can't get together to practice or anything. And um, Steve's health hasn't been great. So I'm kind of hoping we can come out of this and get some more music in. He did a play with kids when I was directing something at the Community Theater League. It was a kids yeah. a kids production of Macbeth or something? Macbeth, they do usually Macbeth or the Odyssey, or they usually do these, you know, these epic kind of stories. Um, and yeah, the kids put it on and they make their props and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, he was he, a really neat man and he and his wife uh, came Julia. to see. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was directing a show called The Boat Right, one of the most special theater experiences I've ever had. That's the show you were working on, I believe, when I ran into you outside because you were trying to b- figure out how to build this boat. Yes, I had to build a boat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make it a story about The Boat Right, but it was it's a play that doesn't get picked up frequently because you have to build a boat in order to do this play or buy one and have a stage that can fit a boat and right <laughs> so that wasn't happening but anyway he uh, steve and his wife julie came to the show and she was just a blubbering mess she was crying and after the show i'm you're okay i'm glad this affected you and she's like that was just so beautiful and Aww. so there's just the two of them have so much heart and so much yeah they're amazing yeah. wonderful people just mm of many you know that are part of the community here it's really great yeah so because art was consistently finding its way into your life since you were a kid mm-hmm. going from visual arts to music etc would you say that you have developed an artistic vision over this time as of very recently i would say i think so um it's always been something i just kind of do but i didn't really aspire toward um, I know that might seem disappointing for an artist. I feel like we're kind of expected to be really passionate and you know <laughs> about our work, but um, I think recently um, I've been kind of changing in a lot of ways internally, and it's really kind of benefited my relationship with my art. So instead of it being so much of a love-hate relationship with a process that just sucks and is not enjoyable, it's become um, a lot more accepting, and it's become a lot more of a curiosity and an experimental thing. For instance, I'm painting just for the fun of it. You know, who would have thought? Um, and uh, it's been, yeah, it's been really great and interesting um, recently. Like I said, um, I've been commissioned recently to do some murals for uh, Chad Andrews. I don't know if you remember him or not. But, yeah, he had commissioned me to do some murals on his in his home, he and his wife, and uh, that really just kind of, encouraged me and spurred me to really kind of maybe I can do this maybe I can take this a little more seriously right Uh, I do remember Chad I don't remember much about him other than he was at the pajama factory which was an arts collective in Pennsylvania I'm I'm assuming it's still there uh such a such an important part of the town but Mm -hmm. he was he was doing work at the pajama factory I might have been wood might have been metallurgy I don't really remember yeah he's a printmaker actually by you know, by trade, but he's also a painter and he does really great, amazing like silicon drawings. 
you know, he gets the big giant tubes of that stuff and just does these really neat drawings that he has to pin up on the wall. Um, he's totally worth a check out though. I think he's on Instagram. And that his daughter got involved in the Penguin Project at Community Theater League as well. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's, she's into acting. Mm -hmm. Yep, finally. finding yourself as an artist, you're dating Alex, and you end up getting involved in the roller derby league. So I moved to Williamsport, I think it was the next day, I was the announcer for <laughs> the, Absorb, the Absorb Music Festival that you and Caleb yeah. and all your friends put together, this annual music festival. It was a great experience, and that's where I ended up networking, finding out that these people needed someone to take over building a community radio station, people needed uh, referees and announcers for the derby team that was being involved, that was being created. Yeah. I know Kim was the one that came up with the idea or something like right? that. Yeah. Kim and Candy were the original ladies that kind of came up with wanting to bring roller derby into Williamsport. Um, they're not involved with the team anymore. Um, the team is now located in Sunbury. Um, we okay. lost our venue, so uh, it's located down in Sunbury. I've retired this year recently. Um, my knees just can't take it anymore. Mm. Uh, um, and. It's a shame. I really miss skating, but I just can't do any more falls. Um, it's such a brutal sport. It really is. It's it's physically demanding in so many ways and emotionally. And But, yeah, the team is in a really great spot. We went through a really rough patch where there were only about six people on the team. I had quit at one point, and they got me to come back once the new – kind of the board changed over and now it's thriving and it's doing well and I plan on supporting them in any way I can um mm. either singing the national anthem at about or you know helping to NSO which for non-derby people that means non-skating official so yeah a lot of put on a roller derby what we call a roller derby bout and um yeah it's always kind of short-staffed so there's always a job for somebody to do so uh I intend on being a part of the league at least in that aspect a few things I'd like to make sure that we cover. One is if you could talk about how the Absorb Music Festival came about and your experience with it. Number two, how you became a part of roller derby and if you could explain what roller derby is to anyone who may not be aware. Yeah, so Absorb, that was, wow, that was so long ago, it feels like. Um, I don't even really remember why or how we did that. Um, we kind of, I think we got this idea. It was me and Caleb and Aaron and Val, you know, our little group of friends there and Alex, and we were like, we need a place where local musicians can come and play, and we want to be able to pay them, and um, we want people to just have access to, like, a nice music festival that's all day, and so Brandon Park was the, the option, and, you know, we got our permit, and got our spray-painted tank top merchandise ready, and, you know, we just set about and made it happen. I would just recall that being a really amazing and magical day and the community responded very well to it, um, which is why it continued on for a few years until everybody just kind of, you know, moved on with their lives and moved away to Oregon and Harrisburg and all of that. Roller derby, how did I get involved? Well, all my friends were doing it, so why shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> as you said, um, Kim and this woman Candy started the roller derby league and it was literally right across the street from where I live. So um, 
my good friend Tegan, who you know, uh, and Aaron and Val wanted to get involved. So they went to the first practice, and I think that I was at the second and had been there ever since, really. Um, and roller derby, for those that uh, may not be familiar at this point with it, is not what you used to see in the 70s on TV anymore. Um, a lot of it is actually played on a flat track instead of a bank track, um, but we still use the, the quad roller, roller skates, not roller blades. Um, it's a full contact sport. Um, there's an organization called the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, and they kind of umbrella all the teams that play. They have a very specific rule set, and, you know, if you're a WIFTA, what we call WIFTA team, um, you know, you're ranked. Um, you have to go through kind of a adoption process and uh, have a sister league to see who's already part of the WIFTA ranking to see through the process. Um, but, yeah, it's um, quite a legitimate organized sport. Um, contrary to what you might think, but it's also still really badass. A bunch of girls of all ages, all sizes, doesn't matter where you're from. Um, you know, you just come on in and you strap your wheels on at, you know, it skill level isn't, you, you, I have known girls that couldn't even stand up on skates when they first started coming to roller derby. And um, most teams have a class they call fresh meat class. And it's a <laughs> given amount of time that uh, you have to participate. I think ours is six weeks at this point. So we teach you everything you need to know, how to hit, how to fall, how to, um, you know, make the most out of your, your, your wheel edges, because there's a lot of lateral motion in roller derby that you might not anticipate. So yeah, anyway, you strap on wheels, hit some girls and get hit and then go out for a drink afterward and have a good time with each other. It's a cool sisterhood. And men are allowed to. I didn't want to make it seem exclusive to women. <laughs> but the men are relegated to refereeing. And Not necessarily. There are some teams that have co-ed, and there's men's roller derby. My ex-boyfriend, for instance, Ryan, is a referee for State College now, but he played on Denver's team, and Denver is amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's, there's space for everybody, really. It's cool. It's a really touted to be a very accepting and open group of people, you know, that will accept all different walks of life. How has your passion for roller derby influenced the art in your artistic process? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, aside from having to physically maybe make a poster or two occasionally for the team, it's probably part of that process. It's probably more internal for me, the influence, um, where, you know, you go and you're trying to do this thing and maybe you're not good at it right away, you know, and you really have to kind of persevere and um, just keep cracking at it, you know. Lena, such a pleasure to see you. Kiana, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me.